What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Jen Meza. So Jen is a, a fiber artist, an author, and a blogger. And uh, we crossed paths last year sometime at uh, like a blogger's retreat. And I was, was lucky to, to get to speak. And uh, Jen was one of the people there. So Jen, uh, like what is it exactly that you do? Well, um, I do quite a few things. <laughs> um, the last eight years I spent working for WestJet and when COVID hit, I lost my job. Um, so I decided to use it as an opportunity to lean into my creative side, which has been put on hold for a while. Uh, so I started doing woven wall hangings um so i taught myself how to weave and i've been i've created an etsy shop and i sold out my first pop-up etsy shop so they're boho wall hangings um which are kind of a fad right now and then the other thing that i've been doing lately is i created a journal about nova scotia to encourage people to travel throughout the province um, and put money back into the economy. And I don't know how, but it became a bestseller on Amazon overnight. So that was pretty exciting. Cool. What did you actually do at uh, WestJet? I was a customer service agent. So I worked the check-in and I did the announcements and boarded the flights. And I was also a trainer there for a while. So New hires went through me and I taught them, taught them the ropes. Ah, okay. Got you. So, and you're not from Halifax originally. You're from out west, I believe? Yeah, I'm from uh, Richmond, which is right outside of Vancouver. And I moved here nine years ago. My parents were both born in Nova Scotia, so I, as a child, I would come out here every couple of summers to visit my family, so it was like a second home to me. Oh, cool. So, so like, yeah, this, this move wasn't just, like, random, just, uh, yeah, it had some, some kind of linkage to your family history and roots. Yeah, it was a little random. Um, my husband had never lived in one place for very long. So he kind of wanted to move on from Vancouver. And we tried out Ontario for just under a year and wasn't really for us. So we thought we'll keep heading east and check out Halifax. And we were going to give ourselves a year here. And uh, now it's now it's home. Wow. Wow. So and you taught yourself um like the weaving and stuff like that while you were home with your child your first child um I actually started uh that one I was pregnant with my second child and she's okay. two and a half now but I needed I went off work 
um, a little bit before I was due and I just needed some sort of outlet um, to put my anxiety into, I guess. So that's what I would do at night. And uh, yeah, and it became a a big passion of mine. Hmm. How do you come up with the aesthetic? Because when I see them, they are like very well done and you seem to just have a natural good like a good eye were you actually I'll take it back were you blogging before you started producing these um items um no Hmm. I I'm just sorry I'm just trying to think I think I I started blogging um, January 1st, 2018 was my first post. So I had started doing the wall hangings just, just before that. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy because like when I look, it just, it all seems so well put together. Like you just, you naturally known how to do this for a long time. So thank you. It's impressive. Yeah, no, I just kind of wing it to be honest. Um, I kind of, pick out the color palette I want to go with and then I start the weaving and if I add in a color or a texture and it doesn't look right to me I just undo that part and then continue on so it's just it's just kind of a feeling that I go with cool Cool. yeah because I know some people actually sketch it out ahead of time um, and pre-plan them but I'm not a good planner (laughs) so I just wing it that's dope. I I would totally be the person that sketches it out. I'd probably mock something up on a computer and everything. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like when you were, it's funny, you were interested in like a creative outlet to do this. Were you always that way as a kid, just looking for creative things to do? I think I always had a creative side. I've always loved writing and I love photography. I actually... Uh, went to a photography school and that was going to be the career I pursued and then I guess my ego got in the way and I was too scared to fail at that so when I moved out to Halifax and I got the job with WestJet I kind of put the photography to the side and it's it is a regret of mine because I think if I had continued with that I wonder where I would have been even if I failed a couple times along the way Mm. Um, but I'm I'm older and more mature now. And I, I realized that you need to kind of lean into your passions and, and just go for it. And even if you're scared, just do it anyway. Right. I actually, I can see how the photography definitely plays into what you're doing now. That's probably what I'm picking up on when I say things have a certain look, this it's uh, it's, um, I guarantee it's probably because of your photography background that everything looks so well put together. Thank you. Yeah, I I enjoy the aesthetics of putting photos together and side by side. And I've created a couple of um, like wedding photo books for people and things like that. And I really, that's part of the art is being able to know what looks well, like what looks good together um, so it's fun to do that with my blog and my Instagram and even for my weaving page as well. Mm. Right. Right. And, um, as far as like Etsy, so I've, I've tried Etsy a few times 
and I fail every time. Like, how on earth did you get Etsy to work for you? Well, I really don't know a lot about Etsy. And it was one of those things where I just kind of did it. And I started small. So I started with a small collection because I, I knew if I started with a larger one, I would get overwhelmed. Um, I had all my photos and measurements and prices and all that and the descriptions prepared ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that I did was I talked a lot about opening up the, the Etsy pop-up shop on my Instagram mm -hmm. the week or two leading up to it, um, which I think created a little bit of a buzz for, for people who follow me. So when I actually launched the Etsy pop-up shop, um, I sold out within, I think it was five hours, which it was a small collection, but I mean, it, it just gave me that extra push to go and do it again because it was so mm. successful. Got you. So like, yeah, you had already sort of built up a following from people who liked your, your work that you were doing. And now you could finally say it's available. Here's where you exactly. find it. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, I just want to learn as I go because I'm a little bit, I guess, of a perfectionist. So I want everything to be perfect before I do something. And I'm, I'm now realizing that that is not an asset. <laughs> like that's what's holding me back. So for the Etsy thing, there's still lots of things that I can learn, but I figure I can learn along the way. One of the biggest blocks for me is shipping. Um, I don't know why, but the, the wall hangings are different sizes and I have some drift wood for some and I have dowels like wooden dowels for others so the weight's different so the shipping scares me but I figure if I start small I can just go piece by piece and figure it out as I go got you yeah uh sure shipping is a weird thing I'm starting to investigate doing prints and I haven't um 100% figured out what I want to do with that how I want to ship them yet so but you're right. It's like, just do it, figure it out, make mistakes and <laughs> fix it as you go along. It's, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you make a mistake, then you know exactly what to do for next time. Yeah. So one of the um, interesting things is like, yeah. well, I'll, I'll take it back a little bit. Like, how are you? I know like you lost your job as a result of COVID, but like, how are you coping with it as a whole? Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been rough. Um, WestJet was the first job that I've ever had that I felt like, like I was proud to say I work for WestJet because I love the company. I love the people I work with. Um, and my plan was to work there for six more years so that I could retire with lifetime flight benefits. Mm. Um, but with that said, the hours were really crappy and it's customer service. So it's very draining. You're on your feet all day. So, uh, when COVID hit, I actually had, I was given a choice, um, 
to either take a leave of absence and um, be laid off until they call me back, or I could take what they called an early out. So I got a bit of a severance package and I get to keep my flight benefits for eight years because I worked there for eight years. Um, So that's the option that I went with. And I, I had some rough days. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like there was, I think a couple months after it happened, I was, I was at home crying thinking, did I make a mistake? Um, but for the most part, I try to think that like life was happening for me and not to me and to use it as an opportunity, um, to take a different path and just having faith that there were opportunity opportunities out there that I just couldn't see yet, but they Mm. were waiting there for me. So, I mean, I had my good days and I had my bad days and it's been really tough on, on a lot of my coworkers. And I mean, everyone in general who's had some sort of change due to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So like one thing I'm really interested in is, you talked about this idea of, you know, the mentality we have about needing a real job and that, uh, you know, relating to your self-worth and stuff like that. Like, how did you um, just get to a point where you just, was it just like, well, I have no choice. I'm going to just lean into my passion and, and because this is just what it is. I think it was a little bit of that. I mean, I wasn't about to go out and get a, a start applying for jobs right away. Um, I had both of my kids at home. Um, so I, I didn't have any childcare at the time, like after I lost my job. So I had the time and the opportunity to kind of pursue what I wanted to. Um, but yeah, I did. I did grow up for some reason thinking you needed to have a quote unquote real job, like a teacher or doctor or lawyer. Um, I think I was surrounded by a lot of people who had um, those goals and who, who did become those things that I just always felt a little bit unworthy. And I, I worked in a restaurant industry for a really long time and I enjoyed it. And I always had cash because I was getting tips all the time and Mm -hmm. that allowed me to travel around the world and buy photography gear and do a lot of things with my life that made me happy. But I was always kind of embarrassed that I was a server. Um, I think, I think I just saw a lot of people excel and I was still in the same role that I had been pretty much all my life. And I think that's, the the complex came from yeah but now that I'm um you know I'm doing these things that I love and I am making money from it and um my journal launch that I just had was super successful I had so much support from so many people just sharing about it and it's been great and it's really like lit a spark in me so yeah that's what's what's the journal about let's talk about that Sure. Um, so it's called Our Best NS uh, Adventure Journal. So like Our Best Nova Scotia Adventure Journal. And I, I honestly don't even know how I got the idea, but just with everything that's gone on this year, 
Uh, we've had a lot of tragedies here and we've had to deal with COVID on top of it. And we've basically closed our borders to the world except the Atlantic bubble. So I just really wanted to encourage people to travel around Nova Scotia, um, people who live here, and explore and find out how beautiful it is. And in doing so, put money back into our economy. And when I moved here nine years ago, I was shocked at how little Nova Scotians had seen of their own province. Mm. And it's so beautiful. Um, a lot of people go to Florida every year or down south, but you can find tropical looking beaches here on the South Shore. Um, you don't need to to catch a flight somewhere else. So, so I, I came up with this idea to have an adventure journal. Um, so for the most part, people just record their own adventures in it. Uh, but I did outline 10 of my favorite day trips within Nova Scotia. So there's a little bit of inspiration in there and 10% of the profits are going to go to the mental health foundation of Nova Scotia, because I feel like that's a really important charity. Um, and I want, I knew I wanted to donate a portion of the proceeds. Mm -hmm. Wow. So like when you work with Amazon, do you have to, produce every single book beforehand or is it uh more like a print-on-demand type situation it's a print-on-demand thing and it's actually i think a lot easier than people think it is uh you just create the journal that you want to do or the book that you want to do you upload the pdf and then you upload the pdf of the cover uh, which i had designed by rebecca wilson uh, she's Lucky Sprout on Instagram, and she's amazing. She knows her stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so you upload the PDFs, and once it's approved, it's and it's live. Pretty much anyone who orders it, Amazon prints it and and ships it themselves. So you, once you've done the initial work, you really don't have to do much after that, which has been pretty amazing. Okay, cool. So, um, like. That's interesting. So like how, how, how quickly did you go from, I want to have this idea to like just putting it out. It seems like it happened super fast. It could have happened faster. <laughs> I'm a okay. little bit of a procrastinator. <laughs> um, so I actually had the first copy of the book um, in my hands in June and I found, you know, a couple spelling errors or whatnot that I wanted to, to change up. But so I probably could have ha had it ready for July, but I, I don't know. I'm a perfectionist. So I just was procrastinating, I guess. But I think I started it maybe a couple of, of months before it was ready to print. Mm. I know Rebecca that that designed the cover. She has done quite a few journals and she says she's really fast at doing them now because she's she knows the process, but mm -hmm. I have two little kids that distract me all the time. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mine are upstairs right now. I told them to stay quiet and I'm about to do an interview. So they're a little older now, so they can they can handle that for a little while. 
That's good. <laughs> I had to get my husband to make sure he's up there with them, my kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did you, when you prepared for the sale, was it sort of a similar thing like when you launched your Etsy shop where you just told your Instagram following, hey, this is coming soon, look out for it? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Um, I've been uh, working with Sarah Kelly. I don't know. She's a local, um, I guess, entrepreneur coach. Um, And that's one of the things she recommended. And it's worked so well is, you know, talk about your process with your followers and give them little hints now and then leading Mm -hmm. up to it so that they're they're kind of prepared when you do launch something new and it's it's worked really well so yeah I shared um I think probably too early because like I said it it took me a little bit longer than I thought but Yeah. yeah I think people were excited because I was excited about it which was pretty cool so like when you did the 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 blogging uh, retreat that I met you at was your at that point was your main focus blogging would you say well at that time I was working for WestJet but in terms of a creative outlet, like creative outlet yeah. yes yeah blogging um blogging is where I kind of wanted to go with my creative outlets and I I still do I just I find it really hard to find the time to keep up on it um especially with my two kids being here full time now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's funny because I went to a blog jam conference. I think it was in 2016 or 17 and I didn't have a blog, <laughs> but I knew I wanted, wanted to start one. And I was like the person who kind of hid in the corner and people would say to me, Oh, what's your blog? <laughs> I'd be so embarrassed because I didn't have one. And um, it took me a really long time to just get up the courage to start one. And looking back, I don't know why. I mean, it didn't have to be a big deal, but I, I, I made it into one. Um, but the people that I've met in the community have been great. And I've, I've had a lot of cool experiences because of it. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't hold back for much longer and I just kind of jumped into it. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And you're right. Like this community is, it's very supportive. And then I get, yeah, that retreat was that we, we met at was part of uh, blog jam and yeah, everyone afterwards and before and during were like, I was one of the few uh dudes that were there <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's probably three i think <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very supportive uh group actually so that was appreciated are you going crazy that you can't travel right now oh yeah i could really use a trip <laughs> we were going to go to punta cana right um well, at the end of March, and that's pretty much when everything shut down. And so we we canceled that. And we usually go to, well, I usually go to Vancouver um, to visit my friends. And my husband's from Ontario. So we usually go there at least once or twice a year to visit his family. And so I think that's been the hardest part is you know, it's been such a crazy year and you want to be around your loved ones and your 
your true friends, like the ones I, I grew up with and mm-hmm. I haven't been able to do that. So that's been tough. And I think my husband and I could use, use a vacation away from our kids now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. Oh yeah. Every, um, pretty much everyone living with their children feels that way right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's interesting because I I really don't know what to expect to when to think that things are going to open up again, that we can, we can travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I usually try to get back to Bermuda once a year to see my family. And uh, it's like, don't know, don't know when I'll be able to go or when they'll be able to come up and visit here. It's, it's so strange. Like, those the times before all of this happening were so simple yeah and And we had no idea you had no idea like yeah it's like the idea of a travel blog or anything like that is like what you can go places you can leave your house yeah yeah and you've been to like you said every continent except for antarctica oh yeah you must have read something of mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, uh, I started traveling, I guess when I was 21, um, my best friend and I drove from Vancouver to Nova Scotia. So we needed to see Canada first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you know, I've, I've backpacked around Southeast Asia, Europe, um, parts of Central and South America, I went to Africa for a day. That was cool. Wow. What part <laughs> but, were you in? Um, oh, gosh. it's We were in Spain, mm-hmm. and you just take a half an hour ferry ride to um, – I'm blanking because you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me think. I, Tangier? Tangier, that's it's like the border on I'm I'm bad with that too. I don't know what borders. Is in Morocco. Okay. So when you're in Spain, you're and you're driving, you can actually see Africa from Spain. Really? Yes. It's so cool. So I thought there's no way we can't not do that. So we took the boat ride and just went to this little tiny town and spent the day there and then took the boat ride back to uh to spain afterwards like later that day um so africa is kind of i've been there but it's kind of cheating because i was there i wasn't even there overnight (laughs) right but that's cool like you can actually go to another continent like and come right back yes it was it was shocking how close it was huh yeah. And then I lived in Melbourne, Australia for a year. So I traveled extensively around Australia and New Zealand as well, which are both amazing places. Hey, I've been watching the show Instant Hotel and I had, it's all about like basically Airbnbs in, uh, in Australia and they're like competing with each other to see who has the best. Oh, cool. It's, except it's not Airbnb. It's just like their own independent like house whatever but like I didn't realize Australia had that diverse of uh, like landscape it's like from beaches to desert to like all kinds of 
crazy environments. Yeah, it's a it's a huge country. It's yeah, it's it's pretty amazing there. Wow. Like did you encounter any see the only thing I really know about is like things are scary, like scary animals <laughs> and things. But like seeing the people in Instant Hotel, a lot of them weren't like the you know expecting to see scary animals it was like only certain parts of australia really have that kind of stuff and i was like i thought they were just everywhere like you You sound like my husband (laughs) (laughs) no if you're living in like a major city you're Mm -hmm. pretty safe (laughs) okay yeah but yeah there are a lot of animals there that could kill you Mm. i remember going camping um, with some friends and we were driving towards Adelaide I believe um, and there was a field with a bunch of kangaroos in it and it was so amazing and my friend honked the horn and they just all took took off hopping across the field and it's pretty shocking when you're not used to seeing wild kangaroo yeah like I I would freak out if I saw that <laughs> I still like, you know, Bermuda, there aren't really any wild animals. So I still trip out when I see a deer here or like a raccoon. Like, yeah. So <laughs> a kangaroo would be, that'd be nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool though. So, like, would you want to see, like, go to the Arctic or anything like that? Or are you like that deep in the travel thing? Um, I mean, if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't say no to it. Um, I travel with such a huge passion of mine. And the older I get, honestly, the more I like being at home. (laughs) But with that said, I mean, I still do want to travel. Country I'd love to go see is Iceland because it just looks unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, I hear it's pretty expensive, though. Cool. And also with uh, with two kids, it's a little bit more difficult. My husband and I like to say that we were flash packers. <laughs> so we were backpackers, but a lot of times we got just randomly hooked up with really nice accommodation. So that was fun. <laughs> oh, okay. So you weren't like, let's go uh, sleep in this random like shack somewhere or a tent or, you know, you just like sometimes okay (laughs) (laughs) we were in the philippines once um at in this beautiful place called el nido and it takes all day long to get there and we didn't book any accommodation ahead of time Mm. and it was sold out like the entire town was sold out and the last place we went to we told the man who had the hotel that there were there were no rooms at all and he welcomed us into the treehouse he had (laughs) for free. Um, It was pretty much a shack on stilts, but it was over the water. And it was honestly one of my favorite travel memories. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. Wow. Wow. And I I guess it it was, and it was free. (laughs) Yeah. But like no cockroaches or anything like that. Or I guess you just have to block that stuff out. I, I block it out. <laughs> I think the rum there was like 50 cents. So that didn't, that helped. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that would do it. That would do yeah. it. Then you just, by the time you, you go back to your, like 
your treehouse. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to pass out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so um, with your, take it back to your fiber art, how do you figure out pricing for that? Is it based on labor or is it materials or like somewhere in between? It's somewhere in between, but um, mostly time because mm-hmm. it does take a long time to do it. And, you know, it's not, I can't just whip them up in an hour. So mm-hmm. they're usually a long process over a few days, um, sometimes over a few weeks, depending on how how many chunks of time I have, I guess. Yeah. Um, pricing was always a big block for me, uh, even when I was doing my photography, because a mm-hmm. lot of people who asked me to, take photos for them or my friends or acquaintances and I never wanted to charge them for it um Mm. so when it came down to the fiber art it was kind of the same thing it's you know you don't want to charge your friends or your family for things and now now I'm kind of getting over that block and I'm realizing that I'm not forcing anyone to pay for it they have the option if they, if they love it and it brings them joy, they can purchase it from me. And if they don't want to, or it's too expensive, then they don't have to. And so I'm kind of coming to terms with that. Yeah. I feel you. It's a, it's a block that comes and goes for me as well. And sometimes you have to like, wait, the thing that helps me too is if I think, well, would they want me to, stop spending time with my kids or whatever in order to do them a favor to design this thing for free and you know like I just I try I try to think like if they cared about you as a friend or a family member or whatever the case may be you know maybe if they realized just how much work you were doing that um they wouldn't feel like you you know put that obligation on you to give them something for free or for, for really cheap, they'd be happy to pay you because they know how much you're sacrificing in order to do the work for them. So. Yeah, definitely. I never yeah. really looked at it that way. Yeah. Um, of course, a lot of people don't always see it that way, but that's the way I try to, <laughs> I try to at least put it in my mind to, to help myself feel better about charging for the things that I, that I do. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to take a mental note of that. (laughs) Yeah. So if, um, do you find like, now that you, this is your full-time thing, does it feel like you're cheating life a little bit? That's what I always wonder. Actually, I was thinking about that. Um, almost like it's too good to be true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I don't know what the future holds. Like I still look at job ads and, you know, see what's out there, but I don't feel a lot of pressure to apply for the jobs that I don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it sometimes feels too good to be true that, you know, I'm creating these things and people are buying them. I actually, um, when I first lost the job with WestJet, I pulled out a sewing machine that my husband bought me 
five years ago because I asked for one and never used because I had a little baby at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went in the basement and I came back up and I had made a face mask and I showed my husband and I said, I'm going to sell these. And he kind of laughed and he's like, to who? <laughs> and that kept me busy for the first like two or three months. Like wow. I had orders rolling in for these face masks. Um, and then again, when they announced a mandatory um, in Nova Scotia, the mandatory face mask inside public spaces, yeah. uh, then the orders started rolling in again. But yeah, it was like, okay, okay, I'm safe. Like I don't need to get another job right away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's been interesting. <laughs> so it's like just having basically belief that uh your creativity is going to be able to find you a way to, to get through whatever situation kind of falls in front of you. Yeah. And um, I feel like I've had a lot of people in my past make comments to me about things that I wanted to do and not intentionally meaning to cause harm or anything, but just not understanding, I guess, the vision that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, And as soon as someone says like a little remark, I'm very sensitive. So it's like, oh, that idea is stupid. Why did I even think that? And then I kind of push it to the side. And, you know, there's been so many people out there who have been turned down before and then like made these huge careers. Um, So now I'm starting to see if I have a vision it's okay if other people don't see it. Like my husband laughed the other day. He's like, I was going to be happy if he sold 10 journals, <laughs> but like I've sold, like I sold way more. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, I held the vision. Um, so I think, I think I'm going to continue to do that and not, sometimes I, I, I keep it in my head and I don't really tell people now because I don't mm. want to hear feedback. I hear that. I feel like we're kindred spirits. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. Uh, like I try to respect feedback too. So like when people say things that, oh, you know, and I'm the same way. Like I'm like, oh yeah, they have a good point. They're right. It probably won't work. But yeah, you almost need that like stubborn. Nah. So I, I, I find that for me, the best thing is to just, I just don't say anything to anybody until something is just about to <laughs> to be done it's like oh yeah this is this thing i've been working on all this time <laughs> yeah um yeah like the podcast i just did it uh, like, yeah yeah that's awesome it's 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 hard like you uh, you a lot of this is like emotional intelligence and you just have to really understand who you are as an individual and what motivates you, what doesn't motivate you and what's going to hurt you and, and all these kind of things. And, uh, getting to that point where, you know, okay, well, if I talk to that person, even though they might mean well, they're probably going to say something negative and I'm going to be discouraged. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so it's like, yeah. Something you got yeah. Know. That's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> my mom means really well, but she just, she's from a like a different generation and she doesn't understand a lot of things. And yeah. So I kind of keep things <laughs> under wraps with her until the very end. Um, 
but she's been pretty, she's been pretty supportive of um, my blogging, even though she doesn't really get it. <laughs> and um, my husband as well, even though, you know, he was surprised at the face masks and the journals, he's always, he always has my back. Like he's always really supportive. Yeah. That's so, so key. So key. I know like when I first started doing some of this stuff, my wife was kind of shaking her head a little bit, like scratching her head. Like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Um, <laughs> but like now she really is like one of my biggest supporters and like really gets the vision and it's actually <laughs> pushing me more than I push myself these days. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's cool to, to, um, to get to that point. So yeah, for sure like we talked about like different motivations and all that kind of stuff. Is there any other like big piece of advice you would give someone who's considering doing like a creative pursuit? Yeah. Um, I guess my advice would be just start. And even if you can't see the next few steps, um, actually just wrote a post about this on Instagram, like, take inspired action, mm. you know, take, lean into what excites you and what makes you happy. And you never know where it's going to take you, but I'm a big believer in like manifestation and the universe and all that stuff. So I've been just taking the first step and then just believing that new doors will open and I'll be led in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So that would be my, my biggest piece of advice. And I'd also say like, you don't have to be perfect to be successful. When I, when I did the journal launch, I thought I was prepared with a post and it must not have been saved or something. Um, so I sent out an email and then before I even posted it about it on social media, a friend of mine posted it on her social media and I thought, Oh my gosh, I don't even have it out yet. And other people are posting. So, I mean, it's okay to not be perfect and to make mistakes and just learn along the way. But if you don't, if you don't follow what you're truly passionate about because you're afraid to fail, then that's failure in itself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> no. Really... I say that because that's really what held me back for so many things is that I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to put myself out there because I was afraid, you know, what people would think. And, and now I'm, I still care, I guess, what people think, but not nearly as much. You know, it's not everyone's going to like you and people are going to judge you no matter what you do. Like there's always going to be people out there judging you. So you yeah. may as well just do what you want. And then they can, if they want to judge you, that's, that's on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like their opinions are data, but like you can discard what doesn't matter to you at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's so, that's so powerful. And, you know, I, I hate to be morbid, but I always think about like death and, and mm -hmm. legacy and, what really matters to me at the end of the day. And that's also one of the things I think about is like, uh, am I going to look back and say, I wish I tried that thing 
or I wish I, I wish I went for it a little more than I, than I did. And at the end of the day, like whether it works out or doesn't work out and, you know, if you're like, you're like me, we have this, this thing in our mind where like, it's supposed to be, have this outcome when we put it out. And if it doesn't, it fails. Yeah. <laughs> but like, no, it doesn't have to like the, the actual putting it out was the, was a success, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, having kids and especially my daughter, like, I feel like once I had my daughter, there was this shift in me where it was like, you know, I want to lead a path for her to know that she can do what she wants um, in terms of, you know, a career. And I think when I grew up, there was always a very, um, like, you had to go to school, like pick mm-hmm. a university, pick a career you want to do, and then mm-hmm. pick a university and go to school and then do the career. Mm-hmm. And I could never decide. I was the kid who like had no idea what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did go to university. I went to UBC. I got a degree in geography. I don't know why, <laughs> but it was like, you know, pick something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I kind of want to lay the path. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I I hear you. I'm still like, uh, with my girls, I don't know yet how to handle that, if I'm being completely honest. Like, yeah. I'm trying to lead by example. Uh, but then I've also taken a very traditional route, too. So, but my what I do for my business is somewhat of a deviation in, in some ways, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I'm I'm almost feeling them out to see see where they are you know it's like okay if if um you know yeah uh, it's that's a tough one that's a tough one for me yeah Um, I feel like there was just a lot of pressure yeah maybe that's what it is like I don't want to put that pressure on them either that's Mm -hmm. like you have to do this um yeah and you know what I just realized right now talking to you is that I don't think anyone ever told me it's okay to make a decision and then change your mind. Yes. <laughs> and I know maybe that's obvious to some people, but I, I feel like I needed to hear that. Like you can choose to do something and if it doesn't feel right, you can choose something else. That's it doesn't it. have to be a set in stone decision. That, that right there, that is important. Maybe that's why I'm so indecisive. <laughs> I truly am about everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there is there's something to be said for that. But at least you're able to maybe you're just a person that like has to weigh the pros and cons and you make the right decision and there's you know, you, you, you got to where you got for a reason. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd change any of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you have anything next that's coming up that you want to promote? Um, well, uh, I guess I could 
I mean, the, the journal just launched. So if anyone's interested, they can go to amazon.ca and search our best NS, uh, and it should come up there. And, uh, if you want to connect with me on Instagram, I'm settling for great. Um, and my blog is settlingforgreat.ca. And uh, you can find my wall hangings or my fiber art on Instagram at fringe street underscore designs. And we can connect there. Great. Sounds good. So Jen Meza, thank you for coming on to Art Pays Me and sharing your story. Well, thank you for having me. It's been pretty fun. It was my, it was my first podcast. So tried something new today. <laughs> well, you did good for your first time. And I was saying it's a, my first interview in a while. I feel like rusty and shaky getting back into it. I've been trying to free up time to do more art and stuff. So been uh, been off the the, uh, the podcasting thing. So thank you for helping me get back into the groove of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Langey Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.